Thank you for listening to this podcast from Living Hope Church in Skokie, Illinois, featuring the preaching of Pastor Daniel Mann. For more information about our church, please visit us online at livinghopechicago.com. We hope that today's message will encourage you in your relationship with God. Turn to Genesis chapter 1 and uh, the story, making God's story your story. Knowing, living, and sharing God's story. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. While you're turning to Genesis 1, I'm going to, a couple months ago, I uh, kind of went on an investigation. I started looking up things like Ancestry.com. How many of you have ever done that before? Learned about your family and stuff. What happened with me was my grandfather passed away. My grandmother gave me his Bible. My grandfather was a pastor and a preacher for 50-something years. And she gave me his Bible, and he's the only, the oldest member of the family that I knew, and he was the youngest of 12 siblings. And so uh, she put a lot of, uh, my grandmother, you just got to know her, she writes everything down. Uh, she wouldn't know what the internet was if, if uh, you sat down with her and, and showed it to her. She's never been on the internet probably in her life. She's in her mid-80s. Uh, but every day she gets up, looks at the paper, and she writes down the high and low of the day and the weather. She writes everything down, every birthday, every anniversary, every wedding, all of it. And uh, so she wrote down all their birthdays and weddings of all these family members of mine I'd never met. So I'm going online. I'm looking up these people. I'm going back to like the late 1700s, 1800s. I'm seeing pictures of some of my great, great grandfathers. And Melissa says, he looks like you. He's got your eyebrows. He's got your eyes. That looks just like you. I'm like, honey, I look like him. Um, he's, I'm from him. But no. So, but it was really, really neat. And as I'm reading this, I thought, I thought my grandfather was the first Christian in my family. I thought he was the first one in our family to really serve God in any type of ministry capacity. But I learned that I had some great grandfathers that were what they called circuit riding preachers back in the day. They would travel horseback to different towns to share the gospel. I was learning that I came from a long lineage of people who knew Christ, loved Christ, and followed Christ. The point of all that is that, you know, we all want to know where we came from, how we got here, and what all this means. And when we look around the world today and wonder, has it always been this way? You know, we look around, we even in the video that we watched a moment ago, we, we talk about how the pain, the suffering, the, the trauma that the world is in right now. Has it always been this way? And I'm convinced that knowing our beginning, knowing our beginning is crucial to helping us get to our destination. If we know where we've been and what the world was when God first made it, it will help us understand where he's taking us in our destiny. In just a second, we're going to read the scripture. But I want you to listen very carefully. Don't try to write this quote down. It's too lengthy. But, but listen carefully to it. If you'd like it, I can give it to you later. But this is one of the best things I've heard in a long time about what we're talking about today. Is a pastor and author. His name is J.D. Greer. He wrote this. Listen, the essence of sin is that we have removed God from the center of our universe, out of the center of our stories, and we've made ourselves the center. Then we, we pick up the Bible and we begin reading the Bible and interpreting it as if it's all about us, as opposed to seeing how that we fit into God's story and it being all about Him. We are trying to see how God fits into our stories rather than seeing how we fit into His story. 
And he said this, and I love this. He says, we all need a Copernican revolution. And what is that? He went on to describe it just as Copernicus discovered that the earth was not the center of the universe, but in fact, the sun was the center of our solar system and everything revolves in our solar system around the sun. The earth operates around it. So every person in the world has to come to realize that we all revolve around God, that he's the point of it all. If you could think of it this way, in the movie, so to speak, that of, of God's created world and the history and the future, that God is the main character, that God is the main actor. And you and I are, are, are uh, secondary actors at best. And um, secondary actors, they kind of they come and go. The point is really not you and I. The point is God. We need to discover that it's, it's not about us, and it's about Him. And we need to discover how God has made us to fit into His story. And that's really what this whole series, the story, is all about. Genesis chapter 1, look with me at verse 1. In the beginning... God, there's God at the center of it all. Those first four words, the first verse is 10 words, but the first four words in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. Look at verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And look at verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God has revealed in the Bible that he is the center of the universe. And he has revealed to us how the world began and the story of humanity. And so our message today is simply this, that you can know the beginning of God's story. You can understand what this all is about as we look at the Bible, as we understand who God is, how God brought the world into existence, and and what it all means for us. And so the first message that we're talking about today is is called the beginning. And we're going to talk about the beginning of God's story, and what it means for our lives. Will you pray with me? Father, truly we all do need to have that Copernican moment where we realize that we are not the point of it all, that we are not the center of the universe, that you don't exist for us, but that we exist for you. And Lord, forgive us for the idolatry of going about thinking, how do we fit you into our lives? Lord, we need to throw away all of our plans and ask, how do we fit into the story that you have made? That this is your world, 
and you've placed us in it. And you love us with an everlasting love and you have a great plan for every life. But Lord, ultimately, it's all about you, that you're the point of it all. And I pray that as we go through this, this series and we learn about the story, the beginning, the fall, we learn about the, the coming of Jesus and the prophecies that were preparing the way for the Messiah, as we learn about the bloody cross that Jesus died upon, where he made atonement for the sin of the world, and how that the cross and the resurrection are the central aspects of the scripture and the purpose behind it all, and then ultimately the restoration and what the world's coming to and what you're bringing us to, that at the end of it, Lord, we would know the gospel better, that we would live the gospel better, and that, Lord, we would share the gospel better with those around us that desperately need to hear the story of your word. So speak to us today. Help us to understand the beginning. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What do we know about the beginning? What do we know about God? What do we know about all this story that God launched? Genesis chapter 1 gives us a couple details. Let me give you the first one. Number one, you're taking notes. God created everything by His Word. Now, that is a simple reality, but it is a fundamental reality for us to understand that in the beginning, God, that God has always been, that God has always existed, that God has always been and God always will be, that He is the everlasting God, that He has no beginning of days nor end of days, as the Scripture says. So in the beginning, God, He's the center of it all. He's the point of it all. He's the author of it all. And in the beginning, God created, brought into existence the heaven and the earth. Now, there's an interesting phrase that's used all through Genesis chapter 1. I want to draw your attention to it. In fact, I think it's used about eight different times in reference to what we're referring to today. Notice the phrase. Look at verse 3. And God said, let. Look at verse 6. And God said, let. Look at verse 9. And God said, let. Look at verse 11. And God said, let. Verse 14. And God said, let. Verse 20. And God said, let. Verse 24. And God said, let. Verse 26. And God said, let. Repetition, right? The key to learning. And God said, and God said, and God said. What does all this mean? Genesis 1 describes how everything came into existence. How did it come into existence? That God by his creative word, spoke the world into existence. God spoke and galaxies and planets and stars appeared. God spoke and dry land appeared. God spoke and grass and herbs and trees and fruit began to grow on the earth. God spoke and birds and the sea creatures and the land animals were created. Hebrews 1.10 says, thou, And thou in the beginning had laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. How did it all get here? How did we get here? How did creation get here? God spoke, and it was so. That's how it got here. Imagine that you're reading a novel. Uh, you're, you're reading a book, and you just finished it, and, and you feel that it's one of the best you've ever read before. I mean, this, you're really high on this book. And so you've got a friend that also likes to read, 
So you recommend to your friend that he or she should read this book. Now, your friend goes to the library, goes to Barnes and Nobles or wherever else you want to spend too much money. Uh, just kidding. Barnes, have you ever noticed Barnes and Nobles like going up? That's like $50 for a book these days. I'm like, I can get it at the library for free and turn back around or get it on Amazon half used. But wherever you go to buy the book, you go and buy the book. You open up the book. And instead of starting at the beginning of the book, your friend begins reading in the middle of the book. Just picks it up, opens it up. Maybe it's a 300-page book, and they open up page 140 and just start reading it. They come back to you a couple days later and say, tell me about the book. I didn't like it. What do you mean you didn't like it? It's the best book I've ever read. I didn't, I didn't get it. It didn't make sense to me. Well, what didn't make sense to you? And they start telling you about it and start talking about the book, and you come to find out, well, they started reading the book halfway through it. Well, no wonder it didn't make sense. It, I, you didn't begin the entry part of the book. You see, you and I need to know the beginning of a story to understand the rest of it. And likewise, if we're wrong, if we get this wrong about the beginning of God's story, we will miss the rest of what He is doing. Psalm 33, 6 through 9 says, By the word of the Lord, think about that, by the spoken, creative word of the Lord, were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth, He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake and it was done. You see, how this begins for us is that we need to see and understand a God who is all-powerful, a God who can speak planets and galaxies into existence, a God who can speak things that weren't in existence, into existence. And as the scripture says, to fear him and stand in awe of him. I think a a mistake perhaps that we make when we're trying to share the gospel with people is that we go immediately to the cross and talk to people about the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is the central part of the gospel. But that is not a compelling aspect to people if they don't first have some type of understanding that there is a creator God that they need to fear and stand in awe of. Because by his word were the heavens and the earth brought into existence. You see, God, uh, it's an interesting thing about God. God doesn't feel the need to explain to you and I his own existence. And he really doesn't feel the need to explain to you and I how in the world he could speak and things come into being. You know what God does? God calls us to believe Him, to take Him at His word, that by faith we take in what He says concerning how the universe came into existence. And as we are sharing the gospel with unbelievers, we must begin where the story begins, with a loving, all-wise, all-powerful creator who with his creative word spoke everything into existence. That's where we must begin. And if, if you think you can share the gospel and somehow remove faith from the equation that people are going to somehow not have to exercise faith, then you're not going to be able to share the gospel. It requires faith. Hebrews eleven three 3, through faith, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. How did it all get here? It got here because God spoke into existence. Things that were not, that, that, that th- he made the things which appear of things which do not appear. So in other words, the things that we see can't be explained by 
itself. It has to be explained by faith of a God who could bring into existence that which was not. So the story begins with God, and God spoke the world into existence. Secondly, number two, everything that God created was good. That's another repeated phrase that we see in Genesis chapter 1. Notice it. Look at verse 4, Genesis 1, 4. And God saw the light, and it was good. Look at verse 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. Look at verse 12. It talks about the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after its kind, the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 18. And to rule over the day and over the night, to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw it was good. Verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then verse 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything after that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. What does all this mean? This means that creation was perfect and flawless. That when God spoke the world into existence, the heaven, the earth, and all that's contained therein, that there was not one flaw in what God made. It's perfect. It was perfect paradise. It perfectly reflected the beauty of its creator. There was perfect harmony enjoyed on the earth. There was no conflict. There was no disunity. There was no disharmony, even among creation, even among the animals. Everything in God's creation was without flaw. And it says God was pleased. A Sunday school teacher began uh, her lesson with a question. She said, boys and girls, what do we know about God? And one hand shot up, and it was a little girl, and she just acted like she knew the answer. What do we know about God? Immediately, she raised her hand. The teacher says, yes, what, 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 what do we know about God? She said, God is an artist. Really? Really? How, how do you know God is an artist? Well, you know, that, the, that verse in the Bible, it says, you know, our Father who does art in heaven. Our Father who does art in heaven. So God is an artist. He's in heaven. He's doing art. And everyone got a good laugh out of that. She wasn't too far off because God is an artist. In fact, Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show forth His handiwork. That God is an artist. And when God made the world and God spoke and it was so, it was beautiful, it was good, it was flawless, it was perfect paradise. I don't know what some of us would do. There was nothing to complain about. What would we do with ourselves? There's nothing to be anxious about, nothing to be worried about. I mean, how would we survive, right? Nothing to complain about. Some people would have nothing to talk about. I mean, if they couldn't complain, they just wouldn't speak, right? Because most, a lot of people, when they talk, is just complaining. What would they do in perfect paradise? They're the quietest person around. They're like, about to speak. Well, wait, but I can't complain, so I can't say anything. No, it was good. And God steps back and he admires his handiwork. I read a great, great quote this week about what this phrase, it was good, meant. This is a wonderful quote. Listen carefully to this. I think some of us need to hear this. 
One man wrote, God admired creation and rested. The text that we just read in Genesis 1 suggests God looked at creation and smiled. God was pleased. Keep that idea in your mind. Some people don't have that picture of God in their theology. Their God always frowns, keeps score of imperfection, and that's a shame. Here we see this idea of this creator God who looks at creation and he's pleased. He smiles, so to speak. He's happy because everything is how it should be. Psalm 104, 24 says, O Lord, how manifold are thy works in wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. You see, earth and the heavens, it shows the beauty of its creator, the richness of his handiwork. We don't know what it's like to live in a perfect world. We don't know what it's like to live in paradise, but that is how the world once was. And that's how God originally designed it. And sometimes we need to let our imaginations be captured by the fact that there is once a time on this planet and once a time in this known world when everything was very good. Look at Psalm, look at verse 31 again, Genesis 1:31. And God saw that everything even mice I mean, and cause, I mean, even mosquitoes. And God saw that everything, cats weren't made, they're part of the curse. Right? I'm just kidding. If you're a cat lover, I'm just playing. I'm just kidding, right? No, but everything. Some of you are cat lovers. I'm never coming back here. To, I'm kidding. I'm just playing. I, I had a cat. I had a couple cats, I think, in life. Everything that God made was very good. And as we're sharing the gospel... As, as we're talking to people who don't know Christ, as, as we're trying to get a front door into their life to show them Jesus, we must help them see from the Word what God's original design and perfection in creation was all about. The world that we know now is not as God originally created it. There was a perfect peace, perfect harmony, and everything was very good. And we need to help people see that because it will lead them later on to understanding what went wrong and ultimately how God is going to make it all right. So what what do we know about the beginning? God is the center of it all. And this powerful, eternal God with his creative words spoke into existence all that there is. That's the explanation for it. I, I, for one, I don't think science and scripture are opposed to each other. What I think are opposed to each other are many scientists and Scripture and how many people interpret science and how they interpret Scripture. You know, a lot of times there are many, 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 many people who claim to be followers of Jesus who are trying to bring together naturalistic evolution and the God of the Bible. And those two cannot work harmoniously together ever because naturalism and evolution just cannot come to grips with a God that can miraculously speak things into existence. How do you scientifically test that? As a follower of Christ, how do you scientifically test and prove the resurrection? 
<laughs> you can't. I'm not saying that science is a bad thing. It's God is the, is the author of, of all knowledge, true knowledge. Science can be a wonderful thing. But what we have to do at the end of the day is come to realize that we're not going to be able to fully and completely understand how God brought this world into existence. And there's so much of it that the very best that we try and the smartest people in the world are not even going to be able to come close to understanding the riches, the earth and its riches and how God brought it together. That God spoke and it was so. And that needs to be good enough for you and I to live by faith. Number two, everything. The story begins with God. That God brought it all into existence by his spoken word. And it was all good. Perfect. Number three, finally, mankind is the precious treasure that God created. Of all that God made, of all that God created, he saved the pinnacle of his creation for last. If you like music, the crescendo of the song, so to speak, of creation was with human beings, male and female, man and woman that God created. Out of all that God created, only human beings are created in his image. Notice verse 26, Genesis 1, 26. And God said, there's God speaking, let us, there's a reference to the triune God, the Trinity, let us, Father, Son, Spirit, make man in our image after our likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. They were created in God's image. What does that mean? Well, it means a number of things. I probably couldn't, there's no way I could exhaust all that it means. But let me give you a few things of what it means when man is created in his image. Man, human beings, men and women, are the only beings who are created to have a relationship with God. A personal relationship with God. Men are the only ones who are created with mind, will, and emotions to be able to have that personal relationship with God. What else does it mean to be created in the image of God? It means that God gave to man dominion over all the rest of creation. That's what it, part of what it means to be created in the image of God, is that God has placed some of himself into us, and part of that is that God has given us authority. He's given us dominion to be able to, to, be able to, to lead creation, to have authority over it. What else does it mean that we're created in God's image? It means that we're blessed beyond all the rest of creation. That's what he said in verse 28. He blessed them and told them to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth. I want you to think about your life. I want to think about, think about all your possessions. Think right now about your cars, your house or place that you live. Think about your job. Think about the things that you own, the jewelry, the devices, the bank accounts, retirement accounts, all that you own. The most precious treasure that you have is if you have children, that would be the most precious treasure that you have. Certainly, you know, above houses and money and vehicles and devices and the rest of it. 
The most precious treasure that we have is our kids. Why? Why does everything else pale in comparison to our kids? Because our kids are actually a part of us. You see, the rest of it is just stuff, but, but our, our, our kids are actually, in many ways, created in our image. God has taken, has taken the DNA of a man and a woman, and He has molded and shaped another human being that, that resembles his or her parents, that is somewhat in the image of his or her parents. God, and when it says God created us in His image, God made human beings like Himself. Not exactly like Himself. We, we cannot be God. But He's made us like Himself. And because you are created in His image and that you are like God, you are the most valuable thing to Him. Of all that He made, God has created you and I to be the most valuable treasure to Him. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 26, Are you not better, much better, than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? Now, it is not wrong to love animals. It's certainly not wrong to love nature. But we must never, as followers of Christ, start to compare animal rights with human being rights. We must never say, well, well, we got to rescue all the seals and care less about the people who are dying and starving. I'm not saying we don't care for the environment. I'm not saying we don't care for animals. But, but, but there are a lot of people that would cry a lot more at the funeral of an animal than they would a, a soul for whom Christ died. We need to really, really search deep and inwardly if we're more aggrieved at an animal or something that's happening to the environment that's negative than people that God made in His own image. Now, I'm a believer that we need to respect all of God's creation, and having dominion over that and authority over creation means that we steward it well. Amen? It's not bad to, to take care of the environment. It's, it's not bad to be... In fact, the Scripture says, a, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. It's a sign of being righteous is that you, you care for that which God has created and you steward it well. We don't ought to be abusing the environment. We ought not to be abusing animals. But we ought to hear very clearly the words of our Lord when He says that you are much more valuable than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And we always have to keep that biblical perspective in mind that the flower is going to fade away and the animal is going to live its time and pass on. But you and I have souls that are eternal. And it's okay if you want to spend some of your time saving the whales, but I want to call you to spend your time saving souls. Saving those for whom Christ died. Amen. Amen. It is quiet in here today. Amen, Pastor Daniel. I'll amen myself. <laughs> Psalm 8. Turn with me. Joe read it at the beginning, but I want to read it one more time to you. Psalm chapter 8. Think about these words. Psalm 8, verse 3. Think about it in comparison with what we've been talking about, that God created man in His image. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest 
him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. You notice what he's saying there? God, of all that you've created, of the massive galaxies and planets, of, of all the beauty of creation that you've crowned, human beings with the most glory and honor and that you've actually visited, that you've come to dwell with man. Wow. You see, I'm closing in a second, but no other belief system, no other religion, no other way of life, belief system for the origin of man compares to the biblical account. The greatest dignity for a person is coming to know and believe that they are an image bearer of God. And no other belief system can give you the dignity that God in His Word has given you when He says, I have made you in my image. No one will ever pay you a higher compliment than God paid you when He says, I'm making you like myself. I'm putting a little bit of myself in you. No one has paid you a higher compliment than Jesus when he said in Matthew 16 that your value cannot be measured, that your soul is worth more than all of the world. No one. And when we're sharing the gospel, people need to understand this. They need to understand the dignity and the worth and the value that God has placed upon them. They need to understand that they are an image bearer of God. They need to recognize the infinite worth that they have to God. And as we're sharing the gospel with unbelievers, we must seek to show them what it means to be human. And that's what no other religious system can really answer. What does it mean to be human? They can come up with some pragmatic answers that, that sound appealing and that, that, that can satisfy some of the questioners. But the reality is only the gospel can answer the question, what does it mean to be human? What it means to be human is that I'm made in the image of God. That I am an image bearer of God. I'm eternal. I'm created with a mind, will, and emotion. I'm created to have fellowship and relationship with God. I'm created with the capacity of a free will to reject Him. And I'm created with the capacity by His grace to repent and believe on Him and follow Him eternally. That's what it means to be human. We're made to love, to know, and fellowship with God. We're created to have a relationship with Him, but we're also created with the capability of rejecting Him. You see, the animals can't do that. The flowers can't do that. They can't love God, and they can't reject God. You and I can. We can. God made us eternal. He says in Genesis 2, 7, that man became a living soul. As much as I enjoyed the movie growing up, All Dogs Go to Heaven, I don't believe that's the case. They're not eternal. Although Revelation does tell us that in the eternal state, it does appear that there will be animals, and there certainly will be during the, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But every soul that God has made We'll spend eternity somewhere. You see, there's a time that you did not exist, but there'll never be a time that you cease to exist. You will live forever. And the story is, is that God made you that way and God desires to spend eternity with you. Have you ever lost something like a 
wallet or keys. Seems like when you have kids, this happens all the time. In fact, this morning, Colby comes into the, um, it's early. He, he gets up at like the crack of dawn, it seems like lately. And I'm in the restroom um, and uh, Colby runs in there and he says, Daddy, 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 I lost Rialu. I'm like, I thought we only had two kids and I don't know a Rialu. Who is Rialu? No, Rialu is, uh, um, is uh, oh, I can't. Pokemon uh, character, yes. It, and so, well, let's go, let's go on a hunt to find Riala. You know what we did? It's really simple. I, Colby, actually, he just stayed in there, and he was kind of dazed still, trying to figure out. So I walked, retraced his steps, and I walked back into the bedroom, and I knew it couldn't have gone far, and sure enough, there he was, all suffocating in the blankets. So rescued him, brought him out, brought him to Colby. The point is, is when you lose something, like your keys or your wallet, what, what do you do most of the time? Normally, what you do is you say, I need to retrace my steps, see where I've been, and might tell me where I've left it. And likewise, in this message, to help us understand what we've lost, what the world has lost, is that as we go back to Genesis, we can retrace our steps to see how God made the world and why God made it and what was the case of all that God made, how it was good. And ultimately, I think it has it tells us some things about how we get to our destiny. You see, the story begins with God at the center. And He created everything by His spoken word. Everything was good. And out of all that He created, mankind, men and women, were the precious treasure above all else. But you see, it's not enough to know the truth about what God has said concerning the beginning. We must believe the truth. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And today we've been talking about the truth concerning the beginning of creation. And what you and I need to know ultimately can be found in one word. And that word is Jesus. Because Jesus said he's the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is not only the truth, but he's the beginning and the end. He said in Revelation... 1-8, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first letter and the last letter. I am the beginning and the ending. And Jesus is not only that, but He is God and Creator. John 1, 1-3, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He's the truth. He's the beginning. He's the Creator. And He is Savior. But as many as received Him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It all sums up in Jesus. He's the beginning of it all. He's the creator of it all. He's the truth, and he will save us. There are two types of people in every church service. There are unbelievers, the lost, and there are believers, the saved. If you're here today and you are lost and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, what I would say to you today is come to your God, come to your Creator, come to your Savior, which is Jesus. Believe on Him to forgive all your sin and to save you. If you're a believer, one who is saved, what I would say to you today is rejoice that you have a personal relationship with the all-powerful, all-wise Creator of the universe. Rejoice that you are His most precious treasure Rejoice that you've been forgiven and saved by Jesus Christ 
And the last thing I would say is to share his story. In fact, go on that, thestoryfilm.com this week. Think of someone you can text that link to or email it to and say, when you watch this video, it'll help you understand what I believe about Jesus. If you committed your life to Jesus Christ or made a spiritual decision, we would like to rejoice with you. Please connect with us on our website, livinghopechicago.com. We hope you'll join us next time for another encouraging message from God's Word.